One is a stylish mid-century hit that gave us animation's most iconic villain. The other really seems to have something out for Glenn Close. 101 Dalmatians. They remain. to another episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. And God be praised, it's been the first cool day here in, like, years, it feels like, and I'm so happy. And I know <laughs> yes. we're talking about the weather again, starting right off, but I do not care. I was ecstatic. It's our staple. We can't stray from it at this point. We, we really can't. But I agree. It's like 60, 62 maybe here. Yeah. Um, with with wind, obviously, when the wind stops, it's a bit warmer, but it, it's relatively cool, which I was surprised by. I mean, uh, I believe today is the first day of autumn, but usually we don't expect the, the seasons to line up with the actual dates anymore. Yeah, uh, I was ready for of... a full on a whole other month of humidity and sweating and ugh. yeah. Gotta love the shifting balance of our planet. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if this year's given us anything, it's it's that we're going back to basics. The seasons yay. as we originally saw them, I guess. As God intended, or something to say, if I were, <laughs> yes. if I were a theological person. When he made the Earth 2,000 years ago and created the four seasons... <laughs> When he, when he made the Earth six months ago and said, oh yeah, let me just kind of catch them up on all this shit. Yes. <laughs> when he's making the Earth still now and we are just a figment of his imagination. God, this is getting like... This, Which this is, getting is meta possible. too quick. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. And Vivaldi is the only person that knew and he tried to he tried to warn us. My 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 nose is starting to bleed. Can we go ahead and get into the meat of things? <laughs> I can okay, only take sure. So much. What, what what have you what have you been what have you been doing? <laughs> yes, um, as far as what I've watched, I haven't really watched anything in particular. I've been watching a uh, Dungeons and Dragons show. I'm sure I brought up before uh, Dimension Twenty. Um, yes, which is yeah the college humor stuff, and I've been just kind of mostly watching that during work. Um, but I do have another thing I'll, I meant to bring up last time, which I'll bring up in a second. Um, as far as what else I've been doing, I've actually been replaying all of the uh, Batman Arkham games because I saw like screenplays or whatever of it of it the other day, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I love the hell out of those." And the original ones are available on PlayStation now, and I own Arkham Knight, and so I've gotten through the first two, and I consider it two because I really hate Origins. Um, <laughs> And now I'm going through 
um, Arkham Knight now, which I actually was able to get. The, they were actually having a sale on their season pass for all their extra shit for like four dollars. So I got like twenty extra things with it. Yeah, I, I I took advantage of that. They had something similar for that like two years ago during October, and yep. I took advantage of that. And I played for like three months, and I'm like, okay, I. I was trying to get the trophies for all the DLC, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I oh, can this see that map on pack, there. this map pack, this map pack. And I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. And I can see that on there with, you know, <laughs> you being the completionist that you are, of, like, all the insane scores that you have, like, for, like, the, oh, like the, the challenge modes. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, we're still friends on PS4, and I saw that on there. I was playing through a little bit, and I really wasn't doing that well, because I'm not, I'm not great at the game, but I just, like, having fun with it. Then I looked at yours, you, like... Like the the whole threshold of like getting the highest award for it is like fifty thousand, but you can get more points for every fifty thousand above that you get. You had like two hundred thousand on most of them, or something insane like that. And I was like, "How on fuck? <laughs> I didn't break like thirty. You just <laughs> like, you, you turn on a podcast and just play, and like three hours later." you've forgotten that you've been playing <laughs> you I, I think that's what you do dude i don't know if that's a thing of like anyone in general i think you are just another breed it's like, it's fun i i don't doubt it <laughs> um that's but yeah that's been the main thing i've been doing my biggest takeaways being the first one was probably still ultimately my favorite because it was pretty concise and it like had its whole deal it didn't kind of get over bloated with a bunch of extra mechanics Arkham City, I actually think I like the least because that's when it started getting into all that stuff. And also the plot actually kind of sucks. Um, and then Arkham Knight is obviously you get to do the most shit and it's the most updated. So it's the one I have. It's the one that's easiest and most natural to play, but it's still second in my book. Mm, all right. Um, but yeah, but I see we're getting it with that. <laughs> I, I think that I think I think City City still is my favorite because um it, it starts adding more not just more mechanics but it, it starts to open up and flesh out the world a little bit but it doesn't get crazy oh, yeah. with it to the point that like night does i definitely see where you're coming at with the story though yeah um, it's, like i went through it and i was like wait really that's it <laughs> i i don't i don't know if we we probably have differing opinions on the story in general but mm. my thought is that i don't I love the Joker and I love Mark Hamill as the Joker. I don't like any of the Joker stuff in City. I honestly love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's why I, I prefaced it. I was like, I tend to disagree with a lot of people on this. So, so I'll preface yeah, that's it first. Fair. But, that, that, that yeah. is fair. I do, I do see probably why you wouldn't be a huge fan of it. I think like having him as an actual active threat is probably cooler for just the overall story. But I think it's really cool as like a personal level thing for Batman. It's like mm -hmm. he's he's so obsessed with him that he is able to have this entire other persona. <laughs> I I like how it ties into Night, yeah. like because obviously a lot of what happens in Night wouldn't exist without the 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 story that the Joker creates in City. So I, that aspect of it I do appreciate. It's just it's hard for me to. I don't know. I I think the Joker shines better when he's like front and center. It's hard for me to. Because he he tends to overshadow things, so if he if he's in like sort of the side thing that's going on, or at least how the game portrays it, I'm like I 
I don't think he's he's given the full range that he could right have I, gotcha. I guess. Um, but what? Yeah, yeah, I still like him pretty well. Um, yeah, that's my current go-to thing at the moment. Um, but the thing I had forgotten to bring up last time was I uh, actually we had a company event where we went to go to the we all went to the movies, like oh, for uh, for the place I work. Um, at, at least a portion of a, a portion of us. Um, so we got to like rent out a theater for it and all. Um, and we went to go see Free Guy. Um, oh. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like kind of go, when we, I was going through it and watching it. I was like, okay, I can kind of see the points that Jade Jake made and like that sort of thing. And then like as I was going through, it's like. I was trying to convince myself that, like, oh, you know, there's, like, merits to it and everything. But by the end of it, and, like, especially later on that evening, once I was thinking about it, it's like, no, I just hated that. Like, 100% thought that was awful. <laughs> it's basically, like, what if you took the Truman Show and removed the depth? Yeah. <laughs> like, the the, depth, the end. Yeah, yeah, the depth and the quality. <laughs> it's like, what if it didn't mean a damn thing? And also there were references and yeah. streamers doing some of the most cringeworthy performances I've ever seen. Um, Dude, that, so I, when, when, when I brought it up, I didn't directly, I mentioned Ninja in like a side comment, yeah. but the thing I didn't bring up and I guess I won't say it because it's technically like at a critical point in the movie's plot, but there's this one like... There's, like, three to four seconds where Jacksepticeye has, like, this really, like, heartfelt, intense quote, and I rolled my eyes so hard that I gave myself a headache. Yeah. Like, once I saw Jacksepticeye pop up on screen, I was like, okay, this is where we're going. Um, <laughs> and I just... And, like, there were a lot of moments of it, like, where, oh, you know, it's meant to be, like... It's meant to, in ways, kind of be a parody of itself or that sort of thing. But, like, there were also moments where it was, like, it was just unironically bad. Like, all of Taika Waititi's time on screen. Like, Taika Waititi is a hilarious man. I think he's a very creative man. Every moment on screen with him was terrible. Like, not in, like, an, oh, like, oh, he's kind of doing this character that's kind of gets a bit old. It's like, no, he just was doing an objectively bad performance. It's, and... way, it's way too over-the-top and strong and meme And literally, at one point, he... He unironically says what you talking about, Willis. And I'm like, yeah. that show has been over for forever. Gary Coleman has been dead for like at least a decade. It's not and, longer. And I really did not realize how little like shifting of his voice there is. Cause like, like, and I realized, I didn't realize that like you and know, he plays a rock person in Thor and that kind of makes sense. Like, oh, he's completely like stock stoic and everything. Of course, his voice isn't going to vary that much. But like even with that line that you said, like the what you're talking about Willis reference, he didn't change his voice. He didn't even like do like the joke. He like actually imitating like the actual line. He just said the line in his normal voice. And so it was like somehow 10 times worse. It's like he wasn't even trying. It's like and I know that only so much can be done. Like he has a, a very distinct and probably pretty thick accent. Um, but still, like. Just every moment on screen is like, how are you just like this? Just not a character. You're not even a person at this point. You're just you're just there, kind of doing lines that are meant to propel propel the story, and it doesn't. It's just you being you. 
And he's just like, I just didn't, I don't know why anyone could have, and plus all of it is so immediately dated and like all of like the references to video games and everything are so like, like the, the game they're in does not look like a game. Like the UI and everything they have, it's like, it's so no. blown up over the top that it's just to the point of like, if it were trying to be a parody, it would kind of, I wish it had done it a bit more fully, <laughs> but because it just still had this level of seriousness to it with everything, like with the messages that they were bringing across, it just does not work at all. And I, I, I'm, I'll go ahead and say it. Ryan Reynolds is officially on thin fucking ice for me. Like he was kind of pushing that boundary for a little bit, but this one it's like, nope, he's on, he is officially like, you have kind of overstayed your welcome at this point. Like I get, this is kind of what you do now and dead and you fought for Deadpool and you deserve that win. But this has kind of gone beyond the point of redemption. This was just bad. Yeah. And, and uh, to that, to the video game point as well, it, it, it's strange because we've always, well, for the most part have had a hard time with video game representation in media because it always appeals to the larger populace and the general concept of what a video game is. and Which we might, which we might visit later. Stay I was going to say, we're going to have more <laughs> thoughts on that later, and I'm actually, although I have problems with it, I'm more lenient on it because of the time, even though it's like a little over a decade into the video game industry, it's still like of a time. At this point, in the year 2021, there is no reason that we should not have more accurate representation of video games. And yeah. Literally and like, none. And like, I think this will always be a certain degree of separation that's just going to exist with video games in general, because I'll still defend to my dying day that I don't consider video games the kind of art form that a lot of people seem to think it is. It's like, ultimately, it's like, like I said before, there's two things a human can make, an art, that's art or tools. I think ultimately a game is a literal function for entertainment and therefore it is it is a tool art is meant to be kind of of itself and so it's always going to have this degree of separation and i at least get that much but Mm -hmm. yeah the fact of like how little like because it definitely had a lot of concepts and everything that were things you would definitely only understand if you would had some video game literacy like the idea of like the hidden level thing or like being hidden behind a skybox and that sort of stuff and that's and like the visual glitch like on the on like on the window shutters um like that's all stuff that happens mm-hmm. in video games that people who are video game literate would know but that's only it <laughs> and so it definitely assumes you have some knowledge of it but otherwise it's just it's so janky and everything it does and it's just so vague with a lot of its concepts or i'm like oh all right then also when he pulls a lightsaber out the audience cheered yeah. In my theater. I don't think that I brought that. And I, and I was like, really? For a fucking Star Wars thing? Are we not sick of Star Wars yet? Um, I've seen like but... eight different Star Wars things advertised. Eight new Star Wars things advertised within the last month. It feels like. I just. It, that and Marvel. <laughs> but those. <laughs> Speaking mm... of which. There's another moment in the movie. Yeah. Which okay. admittedly. <laughs> admittedly the cameo they had for that was kind of funny. I'll give that. That was the funniest moment for me. At least it at least got that much from me, but that's about it. I don't want to harp on it because we've talked about Marvel so much before, but Marvel and Star Wars at this point should both be dead for a while. We have literally suffered through over a decade of Marvel dominating movie theaters, and 
uh, I was done with it three years ago, but now I'm like, I'm fucking done. It yeah. actually angers me. I can't, I can't. Yeah, it's gotten kind of bad. I've said before, I do prefer the TV show format that they've got going. I think it's just more entertaining. It makes more sense for what they're doing. But even that, like, it's just gotten a bit much. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I'm so tired. <laughs> but hey! <it's>, yeah, <laughs> that's what I watch. Lighten the mood. God, God above. Oh, or the, is that, that's... Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's all I got. Like, I'm I sorry, continue. that's the only thing you I, saw. I just, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really had the time. Mm. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you got anything else. <laughs> um, I do, like I said uh, before we started recording, so I guess that doesn't matter. Uh, I saw four things. I'll go over two really quickly because I don't really have much to say on them. Um, I went to the theaters again. I've been doing this thing where I go like bi-weekly and just see something. I like the experience of going back to the theaters and I live in an area and we live in a time in which uh, usually there's not very many people in there, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I went and saw uh, Shang-Chi. Or Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. The, uh, I think I, maybe I... the first Marvel movie I've seen since the event, the first Avengers, I I, th- I honestly think. Oh, no, Ant-Man. Have I, have I brought up, have I brought up that I've seen, I had seen that one? Yes, you did last okay, time, cool. and that's the reason I'm not going to talk too much about it, because we've already sort of gone into it, and honestly, I don't really have any special thoughts on it. I liked it all right. The humor could have been way worse based on what I've seen from Marvel. Oh, yeah. Like, as a comedic character, I actually like Aquafina as a comedian, and mm-hmm. she's kind of the only com- real comedic element in the movie. I guess you can count, count Kingsley, but he's not in it that much. So, I, I liked it. You know? Cool. But nothing... Kung Kung Fu movies. It's hard to fuck them up. I mean, that's true. At the core of it, too. So, there you have it. And, um, sort of in theming today, I won't talk about it much because it's very likely we'll do a special episode on it at one point, some point in time. But I did see Cruella. Oh, yeah. Uh, How'd that go? I liked it. Hmm. I wish it did not have ties to 101 Dalmatians. I wish this was a different character, and I wish that the Dalmatian stuff, which isn't that heavy in it, it definitely just the fact that it was included, people on the internet ran with it, and for good reason, because it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Um, But if this was a different character and the Dalmatian element was dropped, I would really like this movie. Hmm. Um, I, I like the characters. I like the arc that she goes through. I think all the performances are pretty well done, excluding a segment where like the, the core cast are children near the beginning of the movie to frame things up. They're not terrible, but it's kid acting and it's, that's right. hard to pull off uh, for various reasons. But yeah, you know, I, I liked it I, again. If it, if it was its own thing, I'd like it a lot more and uh, very real possibility. We could cover that at some point. So won't talk too much on it. Cool. <clears throat> So, besides that, um, I watched After Hours, which is a Scorsese film. Uh, It's actually the film he released a year before um, The Color of Money, which is the last Scorsese film we talked about on the show. Oh, yeah. Um, And I I really liked 
uh, After Hours because it reminded me of some of my favorite episodes of like The Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt where it's basically this guy goes on a date that doesn't go well and then the entire rest of the movie is he wants to get home and he literally cannot and everyone around him is a full-blown lunatic that just gets in his way and he suffers the whole time. And that, that that's such a weird sell, but those types yeah. of stories, the suspense that they create, I'm the type of person that really gets into that. Um, and this isn't like some suspense thriller either. It's like a, it's a black comedy. It's supposed to make you laugh. And it does in a very uncomfortable way. Like, Oh my, I can't believe like, like literally there's one point where he runs into a woman, I think play, I think it's Catherine O'Hara runs into her and he's like, okay, she's going to let me use her phone. Thank God. And he starts talking to her like, oh, you will not believe the night that I've just had. And she's like, you know, I'm an ice cream vendor. I got my own truck and everything. And he just looks at her like, what the fuck are you talking about? And <laughs> that's like his interaction with almost everyone in the movie. I really love it. Huh. Well, all right then. Yeah, that, I'm that, guessing the whole thing of it is like interacting with people like after dark. It's like, and people are actually really just weird in general. Yes. And, and being like, okay, I got to go to this place. There's, there's a very like RPG side questy thing about it where it's like, oh my God, now I got to go here. And she left me a note that said that she went here and this guy has the keys to my house because I, I gave them him. So he would give me his keys so that I could go help it. It's, I, I like it's, it. It's it's Fetch Quest the movie. <laughs> yes, it it's it's Fetch Quest the movie, and it it ends up just being a mob a mob scene, which is great. It it so yeah, I I like that. It's it, it's uh good, which is funny because uh honestly, a lot of people like Scorsese. I can't claim to have seen a majority of his films, but of of the ones I've seen, this is probably my favorite one because I'm not a big Scorsese fan to be honest. Yeah, as we've, I think as we've both well established on this show, I'm not yes. going to say it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I've, I've really, I'm, I'm pretty hit and miss with Scorsese. There, like, yeah, there's a I couple like, outliers that I still need to see, like some heavy hitters, and I want to, I need to see the King of Comedy. I just keep forgetting to. Um, I like Goodfellas, yeah. if only because it's a more accurate representation of the mob. I for, I forgot um, he did Goodfellas. That's that's a good one. I one of the few movies I actually do own physical media of. I also like the first half of Gangs in New York, and that's, that's about it. Mm, have not seen. I actually think we've talked about Gangs of New York on the show before. You might have oh, recommended yeah. it, and I said I have not seen it. But, I, I rewatched it not too long ago, and I realized like eh, it kind of falls apart by the end. Oh, uh, that's unfortunate. I mean, like, it's still good. It's just not the. It's not the movie. I. It's not the part of the movie I like. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but yes, that's after hours. Uh, and the last thing that I saw, uh, sort of conflicted about, but I still had a really good time. I watched the direct-to-video Scooby-Doo Courage crossover that came out. Huh. Because that okay. came out last Wednesday or Thursday, I think. Uh, I, I, one of those days and I, I watched it, uh, pretty shortly after that. And, um, I don't really care for any of the Scooby-Doo stuff. I'm not a big Scooby-Doo person. The last direct-to-video Scooby film I saw was like the, 
I don't know, they go to Mexico and fight a big purple beast or something. That was on, in, like, 2005. Oh, yeah, the uh, one that was ostensibly about the Chupacabra, even though the thing that they are fighting is 100% not what the mythological Chupacabra is. It's a Mexican Bigfoot, yes. But uh, that's the <laughs> that's the last yeah, that's... one I saw, and I've pretty much avoided it since then. Um, cool. But, you know, um, the Scooby stuff aside, I thought I was going to dislike it more because of the Scooby stuff. But I'll tell you, like, 15 minutes in, they're like, okay, well, fuck Scooby-Doo. No one cares about Scooby-Doo. This is the Courage the Cowardly Dog movie. And it pretty much is. Uh, huh. And it, it, it's, it's like Courage the Cowardly Dog with Scooby-Doo cameos. Because they're sort of palling around and um, to sort of paint that without spoiling, obviously, because it's a new movie. The climax of the movie involves the villain, Courage, and Muriel. And like the Scooby gang is trapped behind a rock and they're just watching the whole thing. Wow. And And I'm like, I like this. Yeah, you know what? Like if any if any character deserved a movie, it would have been Courage. Yes. And um, the one thing I was concerned about from the previews is like, okay, so there's Courage, Eustace, and Muriel, and then we got like this mayor character who's never shown up in the show. Um, but they actually surprised me. There are a... a for, for a movie that's ostensibly a Scooby-Doo movie, there's a decent amount of like actual Courage the Cowardly Dog characters that are in the film. Huh like villains and just regular side characters alike they they all have their time in the sun and just for i will admit i got excited just because i loved the show growing up there is a five minute scene in the middle of the movie that is just nostalgia bait the scene where (laughs) they make their way into the nowhere museum which is just filled with paintings and artifacts from like villains and creatures that were on the show but yeah, so I mean, I mean, you gotta do something like that. You do do it to a degree. There's like a little movie they they watch that like this is it's the announcer that does the intro that's hosting it, and he's like, "This is nowhere. We have werewolves and aliens and mad scientists, and they're showing all these clips and you know." So I, and I like there's that, the, even though I I acknowledge what it is and what it's trying to do. Yeah, there's the flan guy. Which to remember that one? Jesus. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Flaunt. He he he's in a painting. He's in a portrait. <laughs> God, that show had some weird shit. I gotta watch it again. Yep, it's. I think it's... that might that might be <laughs> that might be one of our, the reasons you and I like shit like Control and SCP so much. <laughs> I mean, I think so. It is my. Um, it probably I I haven't rewatched it in a while, but Courage probably is my favorite. Uh, Cartoon Network show. Just because I think it takes the most risks. Not even like, ooh, this episode's so dark. But in art style, in tone, music, like just the credits theme is like, it has like weird trumpets and cows mooing over it. it, it I think it, it it does the most with the animation medium over a lot of those Cartoon Network programs, which is, I think is why I like it the most. Second think... being Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing is is that any new Courage media, if it ever happens, has to go through uh, John Dilworth, who I, I think he's a genius with a lot of his creative stuff. I don't think he's as bad as someone like John Kay or Chris Savino, because I haven't heard anything really negative 
spouted about him, but hearing him in interviews and seeing like the credits on programs, he seems like a bit of a control freak. And he, I think he takes a lot of unnecessary credit. Kind of like how mm. Disney likes to erase creators from its show. Like, no, no one directed this. It's a Star Wars Disney movie. Come on. Right. Sometimes I feel like Dilworth is like, yeah, I wrote that episode. And I'm like, I, did you? Did you do that? I don't know if you did that. Did but, you, Mr. Easily Bullied Last Name? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you had plenty of times in elementary school where you wanted to be the big guy. John Dolworth. Oh, I'm sure that's the worst they ever came up with. Uh, but <laughs> you never cease to amaze. Yes, but that, that that's uh, that's everything I've seen. It's uh, you know, on the subject of nostalgia shit. It's, there's uh, I'm I really did not realize going into this one how how much of it a how much my heart would just like sing whenever seeing the art style and the hearing the music from the original and how much it would really just like regret the year that i was born when <laughs> when we went to the second one. Oh, this oh. was this was quite enlightening for me because i can tell you i saw the 96 101 dalmatians maybe 3 or 4 times growing up and watching this was like seeing it for the first time because i did not remember any of even well you'll discuss the plot obviously oh yeah and it's it's a pretty simple plot which is to say it's a hard remake folks <laughs> this Yay! is 101 101 Dalmatians. So kicking it off with a classic 1961 animated feature directed by a few people, uh, Clyde Geronimi, that's okay, (laughs) Hamilton Luska, and Wolfgang Retherman, story by Bill Peet, and it's based on the 101 Dalmatians book by Dodie Smith, and and produced by Walt Disney himself. Kicking right off into things, Roger Radcliffe, uh, voiced by Ben Wright, is an aspiring songwriter who lives in London, England, in a squalid bachelor flat with his Dalmatian dog, Pongo, played by Rod Taylor. Kicking right off into the plot, we we start with Roger Radcliffe, played by Ben Wright, as an aspiring songwriter who lives in London, England, in a squalid bachelor pad with his Dalmatian dog, Pongo, played by Rod Taylor, who decides to, to watch women and their dogs walking in the street across the way until he finds a suitable matches for both him and his, o- and his owner, or as he calls him, his pet. Spotting a woman named Anita, played by Lisa Davis, and her Dalmatian, her own Dalmatian, Perdita, played by Kate Bauer, Pongo drags Roger to the park to arrange a meeting. 
Roger and Anita fall in love and marry, as do Pongo and Perdita, because apparently dogs can get married. Soon after, the family acquires a nanny, voiced by Martha Wentworth, and move to, uh, to Regent's Park, another area in London, apparently. Perdita becomes pregnant soon after with a litter of 15 puppies. However, soon after, soon after even that, Anita's spoiled, fur-obsessed former schoolmate, Cruella DeVille, played by Betty Lou Gerson, uh, stops by and annoys the family. In response, Roger ends up writing a jazzy song to make fun of her, the classic Cruella DeVille song. When the puppies are born, one puppy appears to be, appears to be stillborn, but Roger manages to save his life by rubbing it, apparently. Uh, Corella soon after barges in again and demands to buy the puppies. Roger finally stands up to her and tells her that the puppies aren't for sale. Furious, Cruella, Cruella vows revenge. Some months later, Nanny puts the puppies to bed after an evening of watching TV, while Pongo and Perdita go for a walk with Roger and Anita. Horace and Jasper Baden, played by Frederick Warlock and J. Pat O'Malley, respectively, um, two who are two burglars hire, hired by Cruella, pose as men from the electric company and steal the puppies. In response, the Radcliffe's enlist Scotland Yard and put advertisements in all their papers. Roger and Scotland Yard suspect Cruella, but can find no real proof. The, the Dalmatians contact uh, uh, Danny the Great Dane, who uses what they call the Twilight Bark gossip chain to forward the request for help from other dogs all across England. In and Withermarsh, Suffolk, uh, fucking, fucking England, um, old Towser the Bloodhound passes the word on to to the Colonel, a sheepdog, and his friend Sergeant Tibbs. They investigate the old, the old nearby Old Deville place, where puppies had been heard barking two nights earlier. Tibbs, Tibbs the cat sneaks inside and is nearly killed by Jasper, but sends word back to London via the Colonel that the puppies are found. Pongo and Perdita leave through the, leave through the back window and begin a long cross-country journey, crossing a flooded icy river and running through the snow towards Suffolk. Meanwhile, Cruella tells the Baddens, which I guess I thought that was just their nickname, but that really is their last name. Um, Cruella tells the Baddens that the police are on their tail. She orders them to go ahead and kill and skin all the dogs by daybreak. After she leaves, Tibbs helps the puppies escape through a hole in the wall, but the Baddens pursue after. The Colonel meets up with Pongo and Purdy and tells them and tells them of all the trouble. The two Dalmatians attack Jasper and Horace, destroying part of the house and giving the puppies time to flee. Pongo and Perdita reunite with their litter of 15 at, Colonel Tib Kurt at the Colonel and Tibbs' home farm, only discover there's another 84 more puppies with them. Upon learning from Tibbs that Cruella intended to make Dalmatian fur coats, Pongo and Perdita decide to take all 99 puppies back home with them. The Dalmatians start their trek, pursued by the Battens. All water has turned to ice in the area due to the winter, and so the dogs use the creeks to avoid losing tr leaving tracks. They shelter from a blizzard at a dairy farm with a friendly collie and some cows, then make their way to Dinsford, another village in the countryside, where they meet a black Labrador who is waiting for them in a blacksmith's shop. Cruella and the Battens catch up, so Pongo and his whole family roll around in a sooty fireplace to disguise themselves as other Labradors. The Labrador helps them, helps them board a moving van bound for London, but melting snow falls on Lucky, one of the puppies, and exposes his spots. Cruella pursues and tries to ram the moving van off the road. The Baddens, in their truck, attempt the same thing, but accidentally smash into Cruella's car instead, sending them both into a ditch. The moving van continues on to London as Cruella throws a tantrum. Jasper, having had enough, tells her to shut up. Back in London, a sad nanny and the Radcliffes try to enjoy their Christmas, and the wealth that they've acquired from the song that 
Roger had written about Corella, which has become a big radio hit, apparently. The soot-covered Dalmatians suddenly flood the house. Upon removing the soot and counting a massive family of dogs, Roger decides to use the money from his song to buy a big house out in the country, forming a quote-unquote Dalmatian plantation. All the pups of London begin barking in unison, celebrating the return of the Dalmatian puppies. So, gonna pop right over to the 1996 film, which thankfully is pretty much, like I said before, a hard, a hard straight remake with a few notable differences that I'll note now. The biggest one, obviously, being that it's actually a fully live-action movie, and as such, these are real dogs being used, and they don't have the kind of, like, dialogue that they have in the original. Uh, the, like, their internal thoughts being translated, that sort of thing. We're all just meant to figure it out based on kind of their behavior and some context clues. <clears throat> Beyond that, there's pretty much a general kind of shifting of some roles around. Uh, for one, um, Anita is an employee of Corella at a design firm rather than just being an old schoolmate. Um, Roger is American and a video game designer in 1986. So, like we mentioned before, there is going to be some criticisms, but that'll come. Um, and also kind of the big thing by the end is that the police end up being kind of the heroes at the end, where the dogs don't actually make it all the way back to London on their own. They pretty much immediately escape from the Baddens and Cruella, and a lot of the end of the movie is just watching each of the Baddens and Cruella kind of get the shit kicked out of them as they're trying to find the puppies again. Um, but again, we'll get into that. Uh, otherwise, I'll go ahead and just read down the essentials for this. Uh, the new one was directed by Stephen Herrick with the screenplay by John Hughes. And then the cast has... Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille, Jeff Daniels as Roger Roger Dearly, not Radcliffe, jo, uh, Jolie Richardson as Anita Campbell, uh, sorry, as Anita Campbell Green Dearly, thank God, um, Joan Plowright as Nanny, Hugh Laurie as Jasper, Mark Williams as Horace, and John Sh uh, Shrapnel as Mr. Skinner, who is another character they added to add the whole thing of like, Oh, this is the guy that's like skins animals for Cruella. There's a whole subplot where like she like is skinning super rare animals, and it's actually really dark. But you know, well, I'll talk about that a bit more. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the extent of it. But that it has the benefit that it really is just kind of going for point for point. Otherwise, it doesn't give names to the other animals that we encounter um, for obvious reasons because they can't talk, and we don't have them directly addressed otherwise. But it's. It's a very 90s movie. It's, it's <laughs> like, this movie could also very well be called, man, ain't it a shame that someone already made um, uh, Home Alone? Dude, I I was totally thinking that with all the Horace and Jasper stuff, which we'll get mm -hmm. into more. Another film that I, it reminded me a lot of was The Borrowers, just in huh. a lot of the slapstick that happened. Um but that's not the only connection we have to the borrowers uh, as I go into full circle here. I was going to say. The vast majority of these are going to be for the 1961 film, just because Disney 10 for their animated movies, especially in the 50s and 60s, they used the same stock for a lot of their voice talent. Um, 
And that's why a lot of those people also have posthumous, like, Disney Legend Awards. Because it's like, hey, you were in, like, seven theatrical films for us. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, so I will go through those really quick. <clears throat> First, we have Barbara Luddy, who was the voice of Rover in 61. She also voiced Kanga in The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <clears throat> Next, we have uh, Bill Lee who was the singing voice for Roger in 61. He was the voice of one of the card painters in Alice in Wonderland, 1951. Don Barclay uh, did random assortments of voices in 61, and he played almost every other card in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, the big one here, I think, is J. Pat O'Malley, who was the vo who he, he voiced the Colonel and Jasper in 61, and in Alice in Wonderland, he was the voice of Tweedledee, Tweedledum, the Walrus, and the Carpenter. Marjorie Bennett was the voice of Duchess in 61, and she was Delia Flagg in 62's Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which we covered recently. Oh yeah, almost forgot about that one. <laughs> Mary Wicks uh, was the voice of Freckles in 61. A lot of these are characters like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> what is that voice? Some animal. Um... But <laughs> there but were a lot she, of folks in this one. I didn't even read off all of them because I think a few of them just weren't listed. I I mean I probably not, but yes, she voiced Duchess in sixty one, or no, she voiced Freckles in sixty one. Sorry, two very different characters, I'm sure. Uh, and she played Mrs. Squires in sixty two's The Music Man. Um, we have Max Smith, who uh played a. Uh, barking pongo so he was like a frank welker type in 61 and he voiced some card painters in alice in wonderland queenie leonard was the voice of princess in 61 and uh was the bird in alice in wonderland uh the one who is worried about a serpent eating her eggs uh rod taylor was just straight up the voice of pongo in 1961 and he was also winston churchill in 2009's inglorious bastards Wait, was Winston Churchill in that? <laughs> According to this, he was. I do not remember that, but maybe he had a non-speaking role. <laughs> I, wow. I, all right, continue. <laughs> uh, we we have four more. So okay, I just had to switch pages. That's how long this list went. <clears throat> so we have Thurl Ravenscroft, very famous, a uh, voice of Captain in '61, and he was another card painter in Alice in Wonderland 51. But obviously, if you know Thurl Ravenscroft, you can at least point his voice out in a crowd. Like, oh, hey, that's Tony the Tiger. I, I know who that is. That's um, fucking... That's who it was. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, now, finally, we have three left. We're moving on to 96. Uh, the big boy is Frank Welker, who did the barking voice... The barking, the whining, the growling for Pongo and... Uh, Perdita in 96. Uh, he was obviously Abu, the Cave of Wonders, and Raja in both of the Aladdins, 92 and 2019. And he was the voice of the footstool in 1991's Beauty and the Beast, which again is just more barking, growling, whining, whimpering, whatever. Because he does animal sounds. Fair enough. And uh, finally, both of these are for 1997's The Borrowers. Uh, but Horace and Jasper both appear in The the Borrowers. Uh, Hugh Laurie was the police officer Steady in 97's Borrowers, and Mark Williams was the exterminator that uh, 
John Goodman calls in. Oh, yeah. So both of them actually uh, showed up in that picture. We, that is a very specific typecasting. Yes. <laughs> but that... Of 90s, 90s era movies of old classics in which you are playing uh, British side characters. Yes. They, they, they come from a very specific stock and then Hugh Laurie had to go and ruin everything. Um, <laughs> had to go be successful. Getting big, yeah. Uh, but that yeah. is it. <laughs> for full That's circle. fantastic. It's a bit of an... The, the full circle is probably more intensive than the plot synopsis this time around, with the exception of, like, you know, the friggin' English names. Possibly. God, I, still, I still hate fucking Withermarsh Suffolk. <laughs> Goddamn England. I won't be talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but actually, I think that's the biggest full circle we've had since Aladdin. It's the Disney ones that really tend to be the big full circles. Just because, like I said, why. we've covered we've covered a number of them at this point, and they really they tend to reuse a lot of the same people. It's almost like they're complete hacks. Hmm. Are they? <laughs> and with how many remakes they have, we still have available to us, <laughs> we we have a lot, and we're only we're only going to be getting more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I'll go ahead and get my drink of water. If you want to go ahead and give me. Your initial thoughts, if the full circle wasn't just as intensive. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, going back through and watching this, obviously I had just seen 101 Dalmatians, the original 101 Dalmatians. I'm just going to say, like, Dalmatians for this. That's a long title. Yeah. Uh, so, I saw the original Dalmatians last year as part of my big every Disney animated feature project that I did. Um, so it was still fairly fresh in my mind when I went to rewatch it, and uh, I'm surprised that um, I was I was still engaged with it, having seen it so recently. Oh yeah. Um, and that I never thought it was a bad movie. I do enjoy it. It's just a lot of those Disney movies, especially at the time of like the the fifties and the sixties, uh, they can feel really sleepy. At moments, because there's a lot of breathing room and allowing for actions to happen. So sometimes it's really slow going and, you know, nothing nothing technically is occurring. Um, so, you know, if I'm already knowing what I'm going to be in for, I'm like, okay, well, can we, can we get on with it? But I think the suspense element of it is really what keep, kept me engaged, even though I had just watched the movie like six months ago. Well, it's, mm-hmm. oh my god, we're at the end of the year. It's been longer than that now, but a year ago. Yeah, may as well. <laughs> oh god. Um, and, and there are still moments like that where I was like, okay, can we get through it? Like the Twilight Howl, I think, goes on for a little too long, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But that that's really the only only complaint I have for the original in terms of like pacing. Everything else, I think, is kept pretty tight. Even the moments that are dragged out, like I said, when, um, when the pups are they're trying to escort them out of Hill, uh, Hill Hall or whatever Hell Hall, whatever it's called, uh, and it's just you know maneuvering around these two bumbling idiots watching TV, getting up, uh, throwing darts and shit. 
but, I think a lot of that was just them flexing on like, oh, look at all the things we animated. Yeah. <laughs> look at Like all the scenes with all the puppies like bounding over stuff and everything. It's like, okay, yeah, I can see where they were going for the trailer shots. <laughs> that That's part of the, re- like what I was talking about earlier <laughs> with Courage the Cowardly Dog. That doesn't just apply to writers. It applies to animators too. And a lot of times animators get the shaft. And it's like, yeah. okay, we know who the directors are on this movie, which is fine, and they, they contribute to the process as well, obviously, but those poor fucking animators that are like, oh, no, the movie's called 101 Dalmatians. You you gotta draw all of those. Yeah, motherfucker, we had to count. With spots that track. Like, you can't have spots shifting around in the in the shot. You got We gotta have, like, someone from continuity. If Disney even had a continuity team, we gotta get someone in here to look at the drawings and be like, no, no, mate, the the spots shifted on dog forty seven. You you gotta re <laughs> you gotta redo that. <laughs> Chris, you wouldn't even necessarily need. They wouldn't even get that much that detail anymore now with all the sweatshop animations they do. <laughs> yeah, not to mention it, it is tech. I think not to disparage the type of animation that's done now because there are it has its own hurdles that you have to grapple with. It's still an intensive process. But I yeah. think things like that specifically are easier since there are actual doll models that you can rig and you animate with the model. But I think a lot of times the, the design or the texture will sort of, you know, it stays, it, that stays consistent. So maybe, not to speak of an industry that I don't have a lot of knowledge about, but I think that that is probably one of the least worrying things or the things they have to worry about the least, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> but yes, I gotta, say, um, <laughs> I, I gotta say though, the design and everything made my heart jump because my god, I forgot how much early Disney affected my aesthetics. And like, I think I really realized watching this, this was probably one of the earlier animated Disney classics I watched when I was a kid. I think this really did define some shit. Like, I was always Pixar. I think it was this, <laughs> <laughs> like that mid-century kind of like some French influences with its design and obviously the jazz, it, like just like the various moments of just pure jazz music going throughout it, even when like roger is like first making the corella Deville song i was like god this, this rules oh <laughs> uh, you must be a huge fan of the aristocats i am okay <laughs> with the aristocats <laughs> i can appreciate it but i think it is very very boring <laughs> it's boring it's very boring but i, just, I don't know what it is about I'm sure there's a name for this, the style of this movie. Just, like, the very angular, very distinctive looks and everything. I think it might just be, like, Art Nouveau or something. Yeah, um, the, uh, the very sketchy out, outlines and things for characters as well, I've always been a big fan of. And I know that at the time, at, inside of Disney, it was, that was very contentious. Uh, not a, little, a lot of people cared for it when they first started moving in that direction, but... Uh, and we haven't done an episode on it yet, but that's why in the past I have said that uh, in terms of like tone and mood and everything, I think Jungle Book is my favorite from that period. And and talk about jazz. It, it, it's not like <laughs> outrageous blaring jazz, but it gets a lot of those sort of underground moody sounds and like just the steady beating of drums while characters are walking. Oh, yeah. I think all of these movies uh, from this period at least do, do that sort of well with their art style and the, the sound direction. Um, and I definitely noticed that watching this, t- uh, watching this time around. Yeah. It's, it's just throughout the whole thing. I was just like, oh, this is, 
I just I feel I feel so classy, you know. Like that was kind of the, that was the that was the um um or like like that was kind of the the word that I kind of came up with it by the end of it. it was like it's very it's classy and it's ch- it's just charming. Like yeah. it's hard not to love every every moment on screen. Just just for how it looks, and comparing that to you know, just just all the nineties isms of the of the remake. <laughs> Yeah, Which is to so, say, like, all the different things of, like, oh, character has really, like, boggle-eyed look direct into camera as Thing approaches him, or they approach camera and make some yelling thing, or someone gets hit, hit in the crotch. Um. <laughs> so, so, I'm, okay, okay, I'm gonna run with this right away. I'm just gonna get it, get it out of the way. Okay. The only thing I think that I really like about 96 is what is ostensibly the best part about the original, and that is Cruella de Vil. I think that Glenn Close has a lot of fun with it. She she goes over the top, but not not so much that she's chewing on the scenery, which if she did, she would probably like puncture a hole in her cheek because by God, the Beetlejuice style furniture in her office just takes <laughs> I'm like, this is the, this is the most interesting thing in the whole movie. Is her 100%. sitting in her office chair? <laughs> Weirdly enough, it's not even like that unbelievable. Like I've seen fashion like studios and shit like that. They they did it perfectly for her character in this. It's like it is just believable enough that it keeps it going. It's so silly and stupid, and I love every second of her on screen. And I, other than like the moments where it's just they are truly beating the hell out of her there by the end. Including, like, the scene where she falls into a pit and goes into, like, that one scene from, like, I think it was Abducted or whatever the hell. that This one, like, scene where a guy was just being, like, probed by aliens where he's covered in, like, this weird, like, skin mesh stuff. It's, like, yeah. goopy and everything. Like, do you, you remember that in, the, in this, in I, this I, one? Where, I do. Where she, like, piles out, like, she, like, rises up out of this, like, muck and there's, like, this skin bubble thing bubbling over her with like the goop on it and everything i was like what the fuck so someone with more knowledge whether it be you or like a listener or something please please correct me and let me know but is it common for farms to keep giant vats of molasses just open in a barn was that what it was? I, I'm pretty I sure it was like molasses. It looked like a syrupy, and the only thing I could think of was like, well, that's like a, a molasses tub, I think. I, I just thought that was just going to be like just something absurdly horrible, just like liquefied sewage. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be. I, maybe I was trying to rationalize it too much, like, okay, well, I guess what would someone that like produces food have? Maybe something like, like that rather than like a giant vat of toxic mud or something like this like this is a trauma movie yeah i, I didn't know it's like I, I thought she was gonna come out there she just gonna become the joker oh <laughs> yeah like, well shit not not far yeah not far off obviously but like you know joker was pretty normal before going in yes or so but, they say hmm. yeah and in that but, one iteration of his origin story <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the red hood iteration yeah yeah, yeah. Which I think is the only iteration of his actual origin, other than like the mo- like other than like the movie recently. Oh yeah, I think I think it's the most widely accepted. But if you go through like m- different forms of media, he likes to he'll create his own stories a lot. Yeah, which we even which even happens in the Arkham City series. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. So, uh, anyways, aside from the Joker... Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I've got Batman on the brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, um, and this, this is a pretty bold claim, but since I just, like I said, watched them all last year, I think it's safe for me to say, I think Cruella DeVille might be my favorite of the Disney villains. Because I think she she's just the most fun and she's the most enjoyable. There there are a ton up there like uh, Ursula and Jafar, for example, that are so campy, uh, and you yeah. can tell they love everything that they're doing. Whereas there are other villains like Scar, where it's like I kind of like him, but he 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 just seems like he doesn't even want to be in the movie at times. And it's like okay, well you're not having fun. I'm not having fun, guy. Your song was cool, but everything else I don't know. But anyways she she's so deviously wicked and she's just a she's just a person she's not yeah. like a monster or some like she's not like a tiger in india you know she she's she's just a woman that yeah, wants to murder like, a bunch of dogs she is just supremely fucked up and <laughs> it's just like there is just like no redemptive quality and that's just what makes it so perfect i think there was even like there was even a joke in the um and i talked about this during the aladdin um episode but there's um a star kid play where they do it like from the perspective they do aladdin but from the perspective of jafar and yeah. if he were actually the good guy they make they even have a joke at one point where a bunch of other disney villains come in and talk about like oh, I was actually just misunderstood. But then Cruella comes in and is like, I want to make a coat out of puppies. And everyone's like, why? Because I'm fucking weird. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Even they were like, oh yeah, Cruella's just, just insane and evil. Yes. <laughs> like, I think that really is, she's about as pure, like unironic villain that you can pretty much get in any kind of media. Like, they, like I'm, I'm really pretty sick and tired i know Cruella's gonna end up taking up a bunch of this runtime and i absolutely do not care she deserves yes it. <laughs> um i've gotten really tired of this idea with um making the villain like redemptive and that sort of thing and all these movies because i think a lot of the times people have kind of gotten locked into the idea of like movie and media characters as actual people and not just devices for a story Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of that comes with the fact of like with the internet, you can rewatch scenes a whole lot more and they're not going to be as like short term present in your mind. And so people are obviously going to find bigger connections after repeated watches. Um, but like you don't need a villain to be redemptive. You just need them to do the thing you need them to do. And this one does it perfectly. Cruella is just like the driving force against the main characters and that's it and that's all she needs to do and all the stuff to add on top of that is just icing yeah <laughs> like the style and the eccentricity and everything i want dogs give me dogs you're not giving me dogs i'll take dogs that's and it, it's 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 fairly straightforward when you think about it like the, the plan is complicated because people didn't give into her demands and so she had to find her own way to do it but if she had her way it would have been just you know give it to me okay thank you uh, business completed it's it's a very one track sort of mind yeah <laughs> she's like i it, i don't want to be doing any of this but i have to well i i want to i want to kill the dogs obviously that's how i get my way but you're making it way too complicated yeah you're making uh, me go out of my way to do this <laughs> 
And um, to to the, the sort of villain problem. to the villain point that you were mentioning, I I like Wicked, but I blame Wicked for a lot of it. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent. Like yeah. Wicked has that's the problem with a lot of pieces of media that have done this sort of shit, and along with that can be counted, um, like can be counted like Hunger Games, where one particular version of it like the early like the early version of it will do it so well and so perfectly that everyone's gonna try to jump on it and like i've gotten a lot of crap to hunger games over over time but i do recognize that it the moral of the book and everything it was meant to be like pointing out oh you know the like the actual real world dangers of glorification of like children in media and like how we glorify violence and as a society and all this different sort of stuff and like that's turned into oh dystopia future with a girl who is with girl who is just a normal girl but even though they're probably iq level of 212 with all the shit they're capable of doing and then just kind of like doing really well basically but divergence the, the yes. series the, the divergence yes. series. yeah I, I can just say that and most people will know what i mean um and if you don't just google it and you'll get it the series um, where there's a bunch of characters who are quote unquote the one but she is yeah. the most the one of all of the ones. If that does not make any sense to you, do not feel sad. Yeah. It, and <laughs> also the whole thing, it's like a whole like segregated society that has like the most like weirdly generic and also borderline insane divisions. Like in Hunger Games, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a very clear di- difference of like economic, like mobility and that sort of thing. Like that's a very, again, very real world version of that. But this one, it's just like, oh, like it's basically just Enneagram types. Yeah, it's like, welcome to lawyer town. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and everyone's all in, like that all the time. It's like, you have never been around people who ever wrote this. Yeah. Um, but but I digress. We keep going um, off on tangents, which is weird, because that's usually when we don't have anything to talk about left, but I still have a lot to say. <laughs> that's, that's fair. You probably have more to say than me, because like, Ultimately, how much can I say with a lot of this stuff? We've done a lot of movies that are very similar to both of these. Yeah. <laughs> like, and plus, it's 101 Dalmatians. Like, everyone knows it. And it's so... I guess and this kind of goes on to the point you made earlier of, like, the pacing of the original one. It doesn't... It does drag it out. But at the same time, it still feels like it gets to the point whatever it needs to get to the point. Like, it does not muck around. It's like... Oh, how will we get out of the house? Let's go through the back window. And it's like, normally, with modern movies, you would expect, oh, there's going to be a whole caper of them sneaking out the back window and making sure they don't wake up the, their owners and everything. But no, it's immediately cut to the next scene. They are with the Great Dane. They're heading out of town. It's like, okay, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Keep it concise. We know what was going to happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the new one needed more of that a lot of the time. Because, like, the whole thing with the Skinner guy and, like, all the extra details and, like, the whole thing of, like, oh, of course we have to have this whole scene where we learn the main character is a loser, he isn't successful, and, like, his entire future is dependent on this kid who is apparently this video game expert, which, like, again, (laughs) for the time, it's fine. Like, it's kind of trite now, but, like, at the same time, it's like, you know what? People didn't know video games that much. Like, that could have been a seriously funny thing at the time. But... It's just, it <laughs> takes all this time of setting shit up, like him having to meet Anita, like him meeting Anita and everything. And I'm just like, this is, can we just go on with this already? <laughs> so, uh, so two things on that, I guess. Uh, the Skinner thing, 100% agree. Also, movie, you fucked up. 
because I keep forgetting that character's name and just the, the fact that he even exists. And I think that's because I only have enough room in my brain for two Skinners. Thank you very much. The principal and the little chef from Ratatouille. Like, you cannot get me to recognize a third character named Skinner movie. Sorry. Um, that's your fault. The actor's name is John Shrapnel. If that's okay, that thank helps. you. Yes, because that's a badass last name. So that's a badass last name. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds like an action hero, John Shrapnel. <laughs> so god, I want I want to change my last name to that now. You can. It's, it's it's hard enough it's hard enough dealing with my own name i don't want to deal with a new one <laughs> but and it, it's cool because um i mean he himself is not cool and a lot of it's additive but that is an interesting element that i kind of like if they if they took it a bit further which is yeah. what you mentioned earlier the actual real life like skinning of animals and when Corella like talks to john shrapnel on the phone and she's like, oh, yes, uh, make sure you do it and do, do this. You got any chloroform, which, you know, is just taking lines from the first movie, which whatever. It's the same movie. Yeah. Um, you feel the danger uh, specifically for Lucky because that's the dog who ends up getting trapped with shrapnel. Because earlier you you didn't just hear about this tiger that got skinned. You see the skin. They show yeah. it to you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's freaky. Like, I wish they had gone more into that and it had been kind of a bigger dynamic duo between Cruella and Skinner. Cause like that kind of felt like what it was building up to like Skinner was going to be this big powerhouse kind of going through it. And there's a few moments with him, but he kind of gets pretty immediately shafted in place of um, Hugh Laurie and Mark Williams, which I will say I can't hate too much because I think the highlights of the movie, other than Glenn Close, was Hugh Laurie for me. I, I, just, I just he's he's just like he goes into the role like so directly. Like he has this kind of like, and I'm sure it's with his comedic background that he's able to do this. But he goes into this this very genuine, funny kind of energy to it, where it doesn't feel like too bumbling level of like. I never liked Home Alone that much. I think the characters in it, like the main villains, other than Joe Pesci. Um, are a bit too much, but I think Hugh Laurie does it beautifully. I think <laughs> other than, where kind of other than Joe it. Pesci, you mean Daniel Stern, the only other villain in Home Alone one? Well, I I, I also consider the parents to be villains because you know they oh they okay alone. all right <laughs> that's <laughs> but, fair but yes but yes to be fair um yeah, well yeah even Joe Pe- I keep forgetting like, even Joe Pesci like at times I was like yeah I mean like it's just not for me. But yeah, no, like anytime Hugh Laurie was on screen, I'm like, yay, entertainment. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And yeah. and the thing is, is that I can't tell if, uh, how do I put this? I can't tell if Mark Williams is actually making odd acting choices or if it's just because I only know him or I primarily, whenever I look at him, I think of uh, Arthur Weasley. From the Harry yeah. Potter movies, yeah. and I'm like, I, yeah, I, was gonna I, say. I cannot, I cannot see you doing these things, and that's not his fault. That's like, uh, obviously, that's a thing a lot of actors disdain. It's why Adam West like distanced himself from Batman for so many years. Like, he, an actor wants to be able to play a bunch of parts, and they don't like being typecast, which is not fair. But also, I can't, I can't really help that. Yeah, 
Though to be fair, Harry Potter did come after this. No, it did. It did. It's just now going back to things like that is harder for me, yes. anyways. Uh, I definitely think he was kind of the, one of the weaker elements of the movie. Like he definitely was just kind of like, oh, he is just like the target by which many of the jokes get directed. Um, which like a lot of movies from the nineties do. Yeah, but normally, like it, normally, they at least like make him a main character. Like like John Goodman's character in Bar it's like a lot of crap happened to him. Yeah, but, like he was the main villain. Well, John uh, Goodman was the Cruella de Vil of that movie. Yeah, true. So. Yeah, <laughs> and in all fairness, Cruella Glenn Close's Cruella got a lot of crap happened to her as well. Like I made the joke of um, in the beginning, where it really was just like there really is just like just can we talk about the ending of the the remake? Because like it really just kind of just feels like oh the main villains are now just kind of, like, off doing their own little, like, side gags to the actual movie. Because, like, they were pretty much done after the, after the, the barn scene. Skinner, like, once the puppies got away, that was it. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, even before that, for a lot of the villains, because Skinner only ever really comes in contact with Lucky, and he's instantly defeated by another dog. Horace and Jasper, yep. once the dogs escape, uh, they never see the dogs again. It's them yeah. traipsing through the woods, getting their cars set on fire and electrocuting their balls. Like, they they don't interact with the dogs. And yeah, like, crew. And the, the worst part about it is that Cruella doesn't have to stay in the barn either. She sees the dogs leave, and she doesn't, like, get dropped into the vat of syrup or shit or toxic waste or whatever the fuck it is until much later. But she spends all this time yelling at horses and cows and like spinning in circles and fighting a eh, I don't want to be too hard on it because again it's the 90s but a really rough kind of raccoon puppet that took her hat like she yeah. doesn't need to be doing all of this but she is and that's distancing her from the main characters more and more <laughs> yeah like I was kind of excited cuz like the fact that and I was sort of right cuz I was I was excited for the fact that you know, she was being involved in the chase more now than she had been in the original. And I was like, cool, we get to have more time with Quirrell on screen. That's fantastic. But then it just ends up being you know, like, it's not a chase. It's just her getting the crap kicked out of her and then getting kicked into crap at one point. <laughs> and it's just like, and then just, it ends with them getting arrested with like them. Like it just ends with her still at the barn and the police just, end up showing up finally they just kind of like wander in being like oh you're the villain well let's arrest you now and then like they get sprayed by a skunk in the in the lorry in like the lockup van i was surprised at just cruella just being captured that i mean it was the end of the movie but that soon really i guess because she didn't have any more interaction with the dogs and and i saw this movie like three or four times when i was a kid I just remembered yeah. nothing about it because I think I saw the original way more. Well, because it's like it's so inconsequential feeling. It feels like because it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh yeah, she's like. It really just feels like the ones who people who are writing it. It's like we really don't know how to get these dogs, these dog actors, to do the whole scene of jumping into the truck and everything, and so we can't really do this whole scene of. Also, I guess there may have been like worries of like oh are people gonna think we're endangering these real life animals with the whole like truck chase scene um and so it really just feels like let's just go ahead and wrap it and just like have the oh just the police fix everything which it feels like the end of a monty python bit 
Yeah. Like, oh, then the police show up. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, sure. It was, jar- <laughs> it was jarring in Monty Python as well. That's the end of that. Now for something completely different, as they say. But exactly. It's, it's, it's something else. You mentioned Corella being more a part of the chase, which is definitely where I thought it was going to. I like Cruella DeVille as a character, but the huge misstep, I think, in the 96 version is she's at her best in the original when she's behind the wheel. That's when she's her most reckless and, like, craven and crazy. And we don't get, like, any of that. We got her slowly driving in her car to arrive at Hill House and then her, like, following the tracks. But when all the barn stuff happens, she just gets out of her car. I... A lot of that could be, like, budgetary or endangerment or, like, do we really have to have her driving like a maniac and do we have to crash an actual car or can we avoid all that? But I think those are her best moments in the original movie, especially that shot of her with her crazy eyes and her hair going crazy. I mean, that's iconic. Oh, yeah, like the car falling apart around her and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, like... That's what every trailer and every preview of the movie shows, is that scene. It's like, yeah, there's a reason for it. That's her. That's the character. It's her. She's here. Yeah, just driving a... It's just straight up riding a fucking Duesenberg into every shot. Like, like literally every scene with her car is all you hear, just the squealing of it. And it's just like, yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, the care, the car is like a character, too. And, and that's sort of... I hate it when people say that a lot of times, like, um, oh, this object is a character as well, or like, oh, New York is a character in the movie, just because it's so, I get what they're saying, but it's really pretentious, but fucking, I stand by that. <laughs> yeah, I always say the ones like, oh, New York's a character, it's like, fucking New York is New York, we know it's fucking weird, it's a bunch of yahoos trapped together on two islands, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do stand by that in this case, because... And maybe, maybe I don't want to go as far to say the car is its own character, but the car is a part of her character. When I think of her, I think of her car, and I think of her yeah. cigarette. The, the, yeah, that, it's it's a, it's an entire package. Yeah, you can't have any full picture of Cruella without all of those things. And like they do have it in some degree for the most part in the '96 one, but it just kind of like it just falls into the same traps that all those 90s movies do, where it's just like, it's trying to just posit itself as this big family flick, so it has to do all these, like, weird, absurd things, and, like, oh, of course, the main villain has to have, like, like has to be, like, debased by getting, like, covered in, like, some sort of muck. Like, that happens in every single goddamn one in some variety. And it's just like... Yeah. I'm just... I'm, it's it's weird to say I'm tired of it because like it already existed and they're not going anywhere and they're not going to be making more things like that. But like, still, just like seeing like them go with all those different like falling into all those same tropes and everything. Whereas like the original was just it was just doing its own thing. Like you said, it was like, and we've t- we've touched on a similar idea in the Winnie the Pooh episode, where. Like, the idea of, like, this breathing room and everything. I, I brought up the, the idea of Ma, like, which like, is yes. a thing that uh, Studio Ghibli deals with a lot. Um, of just these breathing room moments. And there weren't so many in this one as uh, some of the other ones we've done. But it just, it gives you time to just, like, enjoy the scene. Whereas, like, 90s ones, it just keeps just going for punches that don't, most of the time, don't really land. <laughs> it's just, I, it, 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 I... 
I guess it's the attention span thing, and they're like, well, people can't people can't think and focus. We gotta constantly be blaring and blasting shit out both ends. Uh, ironically, it's it's ironically it's all these movies that have caused that lack of attention span, though. That's the problem. It, it, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 in, it's going along with the issue, but it, you know, it's like, well, we're Disney. The only reason we're doing this is to make money. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, we're Disney. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we want. Um, so and I've talked I've talked a lot of shit on the new one, but I will say, I was impressed by all the they all the animals. Like, all the actual animals on screen, I was actually really impressed by, like, all the shit they got them to do. <laughs> yeah. I still think they don't uh, have anywhere near as much personality as real-life animals, but, like, that's fine. Like, it just, anytime the Dalmatians were, like, looking off into the distance, I was very much like, yeah, they're just kind of, like, not staring at anything. They've been trained to do that. Whereas, like, I I have dogs. Like, I see how much personality their faces have when they're just acting naturally. <laughs> so, I yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the one... the. Something else that I don't really like, though, is the animals don't talk, which I yeah. feel is a problem. And it's not so much that I constantly have to have dialogue. I can sit with scenes with no, with nothing really happening. The problem is a lot of the, these shots are animals doing things, especially in the middle of the movie, animals going places and doing things. Even a film yeah. like Homeward Bound... They have actors, like, voicing the thoughts of the dogs and the cat. Like, y- you gotta give you gotta give us something. And, and compare, like, especially comparing that to the 61 one, where the animals are, are constantly conversing, and it's important shit that they have to say. It, it, also, that adds to the ironic. dullness. It's also ironic that you bring up Homeward Bound, because there is a brief moment oh, where that's they actually true. have Homeward Bound <laughs> on the TV. So it's like, wow... You literally just brought up a movie that has better animal dialogue than this one. <laughs> I I actually I forgot about that. I I remember more that Aristocats was playing, and they're like, "Fuck that, fuck cats." <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I think that was sort of a mistake. And and something else we've been talking. You you mentioned it at the beginning. It's really easy to do, and for good reason. But we've been talking a lot about Cruella. Um. I want to discuss the actual darlings or dearies, whatever the fuck they're calling themselves today. Um, Roger and Anita and the nanny. Hmm. I, hmm. How do I put this? I don't like Roger in the new, in the new film. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was about to say, it's like, I actually quite like the original <laughs> one, but like, yeah, no, the new one. No, I, I do not. It, it, it Jeff Daniels is a terrible choice for this. Yeah. I don't know why that. Okay, I know why they need to have an American cat, uh, American main actor, because it's going to be promoted to American audience. They got to have an American. In it. Like, that's the same reason they had John Goodman in The Borrowers. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I don't really buy. I don't really buy his character. The American bit feels unnecessary, and he just he feels awkward and sort of with no confidence at all. Which yeah. is different than the original Roger by a lot. Yeah, like it, Roger in the original has like moments of like fear. Like when he's standing up to Corella, he has to he has to like put himself up to it. Yeah. He, to the point where he even is still locked in position after she leaves. Um but like he was still like 
charming and like intelligent and like had a whole bunch of shit going on. Like he was clearly like a damn near virtuoso with music, like mm-hmm. just like belting it out while Cruella was in the house. Um, but just the new one is just like it's just pathetic. <laughs> it, it, it really, really is. And and uh, we 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 hinted at that again too. I don't want to harp too much on it. But the video game designer stuff is pointless. It was an it un, it's an unnecessary addition. I'm not saying he had to be a musician, but I don't see why he couldn't have been. It's like, oh well, I mean, video yeah, games like, didn't fully exist in the '60s. I mean, kids are playing video games. He designs video games, so what does he do? Apparently, he animates Dragon's Lair style video games about Dalmatians because he can't sleep, eat, or shit without thinking about Dalmatians. Yeah. And, like, I just... Like, why get rid... Like, the music is such a big part in the original. Like, it's... Like, that's one of the things people remember most. I mean, like, people... I Like, I've known the Cruella DeVille song for so much of my life. It's it's iconic. And it's just, like, <laughs> to get rid of that and just, like, to not have that in there, it's just, like, to have such a cool reason to have, like, jazzy music going on in times of the movie, it's, like, it's just such a waste. But then we get uh, we get the Cruella Deville song immediately as soon as the credits start, and I'm like, oh, oh, so now you put yeah, it now in there it something. because like now, cause they did I guarantee they did it in like the fucking trailers and shit, but like fucking probably. Which, um, frankly, the um, I mean that's a problem that the new Cruella has too. And what what do you mean? In that the the song just doesn't exist in any form until the credits. Oh, and like the new the, the the movie Cruella. I thought you meant the character. Oh no no um, no. Yeah, uh, but yeah no. It's just like, yeah, like go for it. Just actually do the dang thing because it's hilarious and it's a funny song. I love it. And like I I do also want to say I do love that at the end of the original they just like they literally just make it like oh this dude's just straight up diss track becomes like a local hit or like a national hit to the yeah. point where they're rich. It's like that's hilarious to me. Yay! And and here's something. Um, in the sixty one version, is it implied that Cruella has a high paying job or she comes from money because she hides out in this dank old? I mean, she has fancy clothes and a nice car, but she think, she hangs out in this dank building with these two morons. I think like, they I think they they establish very early on that that's in the old Deville place. So that it, she seems like she came from money, but she's probably like a very like you know modern woman who probably left like the old shit behind into the country to go live in the city okay so th- um, that at least tracks well oh. so she's at least old money i don't know whether or not her job is something wealthy i don't think they ever established okay but because i was gonna say like the fact that they wrote this this charting song about her it's like well okay i guess you can get away with that based on the portrayal of cruella here but in the 96 version the fact that he made a video game and she's like this deranged lunatic that you murder in the video game. It's like, okay, she's in prison now, but she's like an extremely powerful like fashion designer. She's not going to be in prison long and you're getting sued for defamation, Roger. Yeah, I was going to say. I hope you know that. <laughs> yeah. like He murdered sure me in his it. flashy video toy. Yeah. But yeah, that, that one, that, like... And again, that just kind of goes so much into it. Like, even with, even if, like, he made a song version of it, I'm sure a lot of folks, like, he may not necessarily get, like, the millions that he's expecting, but, like, 
that would definitely become like a local like hit among folks because they probably all know Cruella as this like stone cold bitch. Yeah. And, like I've heard I mean fucking the English make diss tracks and make like huge to do's about roasting someone like over anything. Like fucking Guy Fox Day is still a thing. <laughs> like yeah. fucking they will they go into that shit with both feet, I swear. It'll be it'll be a famous pub song, Cruella Deville, you know? Exactly. And she can't do anything yeah. about it. Exactly, like, you can't sue over that. It's just English folks being English folks. <laughs> Which is, like, its own like its own problem all on its own, but that's just the Irish speaking. Um, Unfortunately, that won't give uh, Roger and Anita a gigantic manner that you apparently oh get with video ga- game design money, which you can host five generations of dogs yeah. at. And, like, you also have it painted to look, like, Dalmatian spotted. Which, which is like, psychotic. I saw that and I was like, okay. Like I could have taken I could have taken it with like them moving out to the country with all this stuff. Alright, I get it. That would have been fun. It's cool to see them on this big place, but why did you have to do that? Like you could have ended it on a classy note, but no. And the thing is, is I was kind of in for the country thing too, because uh it came out before I was born, but I used to catch it in reruns on Toon Disney back in the late nineties. And that's yeah. the 101 Dalmatians cartoon series. And the whole plot of that is uh, we need more space. We're moving to the farm. And so they all live on a farm. And Cruella, for some reason, wants to buy the land that the farm is on. And that's why she's in every episode. But like, so so I was at least willing to buy into that. Because I was like, oh, well, I mean, I've seen this before and something else I like. And it kind of makes sense. But the fact that it's, it's no longer 101 Dalmatians, it's like 5,000. And the house has been painted to resemble a dog. That's it's literal lunacy, is what that is. Yeah, and I can't like, buy into it. <laughs> yeah, what is it with these folks in Dalmatians? Like, which I gotta be fair, having a girlfriend who really, really likes golden retrievers, I can kind of honestly see that with particular dog owners. <laughs> like painting I your really, house. To... <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I I've known people I think would do something like that if given the money. Hmm. So, like, I honestly, honestly, that might be one of the most believable parts of the whole damn story. Oh, okay. that's probably why I hate it so much. <laughs> you know, okay, you know what's not believable? I think this is kind of the last thing I have to say about the '96 version. But yep, what's not believable to me is the character of the nanny is also kind of creepy. Like she yeah. she sketches me out. And part of that is because of this interaction she has. Oh where, my god, I think I know exactly. Yeah, what where she's saying. like, "Oh, Padita has puppies," and she's and Anita's like, "How do you know that?" And she's like, "Oh, you know the look." And then she sees Anita making a face. She's like, "Oh, you're pregnant too." And it's like, "Okay, well, that's just a real that's a huge statement to make based on like a face that somebody has." But that she, like, keeps insisting it is bizarre. And, like, even the way, the way you put it was, like, more, like, it was actually less creepy than how she <laughs> put it. Like, she put it in the way of, like, that look in your eyes when you are carrying something precious or something really freaky like that. You like, have a secret okay. that no one else knows. It's like, okay, okay. Nanny, Nanny's a serial killer. <laughs> like, oh my god. Like, this is some seven shit. What the fuck? Ma'am, we're here to steal the puppies. Oh, oh. I'll help. Oh, 
God, I was just like, like I half expected her to just murder the the bad, like the the pair there. It's like just she makes coats out of them. Like fuck me, she's weird. Like whereas the original one, it's just like oh, it's just like the typical like dodling nanny character. Like I think we've seen four different versions of, and which like I'm fine with. It's it does all it needs to do, and she's she's fun. She's uh, although it was weird at one point. Capongo like compares her to an actual dog. Which is like, yeah. okay. <laughs> little, little weird there, Pongo boy, but whatever. And there's the servant woman constantly fetching things for the master. Yes. Just and, like and me. She, yeah, he's like, she says, like, she, like, I think the line he's is like, you know, with all her movements, I swear she's very canine sometimes. It's like, okie dokie. That's weird coming from a dog. And the fact that you're, that you're currently admiring this human woman. I didn't think bestiality worked in reverse. <laughs> My God. This is, there's a lot of like, that's like the weirdest line I think that happens in the original, but like, there's a lot of weird lines that happen in the, the later one. Also, you mentioned your, you mentioned dog people in general, especially your girlfriend. So hypothetical scenario. Hmm. You two have a dog, you both have a dog, and they are the same breed, and then one day, okay, uh, you're getting married. Five, six years from now, who cares? You're getting married. Are the dogs invited to the wedding? Because my answer is no. Hannah definitely wants to bring a dog to the wedding, so yes. <laughs> Would the church allow that? A lot of churches do. Do they? A lot of churches straight up have, like, the dog as, like, the quote-unquote ring bearer. Oh, boo. (laughs) Okay, well... (laughs) I am a a dog person. I prefer dogs, but not... Dude, I'm getting married. The dog's staying home. The dog is not coming with us to to wherever we're getting married. That sounds like a headache and a pain in my ass. No, I'm not disparaging anybody that does... Bring their dogs to the chapel and let them shit in the pews. If you want to do that, fine. Uh, but I will not. I, I I don't think I have anything else really to say on these. If I, I I'm just gonna go and say, the '96 one is just not good. Even some it, things that I kind of like, like Hugh Laurie, it doesn't doesn't really bring it up to stuff for me. The the only thing that I actively enjoy is Glenn Close. That's it. Yeah. And like that elevate that her she alone elevates the movie from pretty crap to subpar. <laughs> like it's ultimately like a forgettable movie, except for whenever she's doing anything. It's like cool. exactly for for one final thing. Uh, I've already stated sort of my favorite part of the original movie with her is that driving scene. It's it obviously it's iconic, but it's impossible not to agree with the masses and saying that is yeah. fantastic in the remake. When she's offering them money and she screams and lightning strikes behind her, even though that's kind of hokey, just the way Glenn Close does it, it actually did give me goosebumps. I was like, ooh. Yeah. I like, like that. They should have they should have gone a bit more hokey with a lot of it. It's just like they, they bring like hokiness into the wrong places. Like anytime Cruella's on screen, you should make it as hokey as possible. Whereas everyone else is just like reacting to this character that can summon lightning at will (laughs) that's that's fantastic ancient asgardian cruella deville my god cruella odinson why isn't she in the mcu Hmm? she's a disney character because she uh, because because she has too much character yeah she's too powerful too she's too well written 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. I dissed on you again, Marvel. What are you going to do with all your billions of dollars that you'll never even know I exist? Your tr- billions upon trillions of dollars and your eight million year long plan for movies. God, my grandchildren, <laughs> my non existent grandchildren will be talking about it. <laughs> Dad, I just watched Ant Man meets Howard the Duck in the movie theaters. <laughs> And I'm like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> get out of my, yeah. Get out of my house. <laughs> why do you sound just? Why do you sound like a fifty-year-old man? <laughs> uh, oh, it's strange times that we live in. But yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. The sixty-one. It's it's a classic. Original is a classic. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's it's a classic for a reason. <laughs> remake is bad. Kind of obvious going into it, but. But, like, you know what? We got to talk about Glenn Pose and Cruella in general. It's fantastic. Which, like, that'll be awkward for the next time around when when we, when we tackle it again to see how, how, it, how it compares. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whenever whenever we do that. And trust me, I, I got stuff to say because I'm, I'm a bit conflicted on it. But Fair. Yeah, I think I think that wraps us as much as possible. I, I don't know what I could possibly recommend for this because, like, Basically, any of like the original Disney classics and everything are so similar. Like Aristocats, I guess, if you want the polar opposite of this, <laughs> which is to say, which is to say, instead of like a bunch of like kind of middling class English dogs, you have a bunch of a, a very small number of very high class English cats. <laughs> yes. So it's like, all right, fine, fuck it. Though <laughs> so I will say, enjoyment, uh, enjoyment may vary. Quite a lot. Enjoyment very. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I don't get the fascination with the Aristocats that a lot of people have. It's like it's okay. Talk about Disney villains. The the villain of that movie has got to be like F tier. Fucking yeah. Jarvis or whatever his name is. I never even remember him. That's the whole thing of it. <laughs> yeah, he has an interesting voice. I I like the vocal performance, but it's it's just like a butler that wants money. Okay. Like even then, vocal work is like such a. It's like a. It's so like basically like yeah it's an original disney movie the voice work's gonna be pretty great yeah like they're they're god damn it they're the company that invented like voiced cartoons <laughs> like of course it's gonna be good and i mean he's outshined constantly by other people in it like uh gabor and pat buttram so <laughs> forget so, it yeah that's and then like i don't I'm not even going to begin to come up with an option for the 90s one. Any of the 90s movies that like are like those family flicks. Like if you're a fan of those, I don't know why, but like you you know them. <laughs> if <laughs> you're a fan of those, you know me. the movies you're going to do. Like, come on. Like Home Alone meets like the Mouse House or Mouse uh, Mouse Trap. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> mouse House. That's that's the Disney thing. <laughs> House of Mouse. Uh, House, what are you House talking mouse, about? It. Mouse Hunt. What are you mouse hunt? Thank oh, you. okay. It's like what are we? Sorry, what? the the one with like uh, with Nathan Lane. That's very similar. Yeah, I think Mario Cantone shows up in that too. I am familiar yeah. with mouse hunt. Yeah. So I, I thought mouse trap for some reason. I was thinking of like, oh, was that like a movie version of like the board game? That, like, a lot of fucking... <laughs> but no, that didn't come until later. That that trend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their battleship and yeah. Um. I, I know I already mentioned it earlier, but The Jungle Book is my favorite from this period, and we'll definitely do an episode on it at some point. We kind of have to. Um, primarily we because... Actually, we, 
We could do a re- again and again on that one because they made a different live action one as well. Yeah, I mean, and there's a long overdue sequel that came out in the mid 2000s. We could talk about the Jungle Book for like 10 episodes, but uh, oh God, <laughs> we could do that for any Disney movie at this point. Fucking uh, kind of. Yeah, pretty much. But um, you know there's sequels. There's sequels to fucking Dalmatians we could do. That's true. That 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 actually is true. But but um um to go back to that point uh whenever we do do that episode that'll be interesting because I, I haven't re i haven't seen the remake in quite some time but i that's like the only disney remake i've actively enjoyed so mm. uh, that'll be interesting going back to but yeah the original jungle book is a suggestion i have and then the other thing so stephen herrick that directed um the new the remake of 101 dalmatians he did a number of other things, you know, like Bill and Ted, and uh, he directed Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and some things like that. But his first directorial role uh, was the B-horror movie Critters, which I think I recommended back on the Leprechaun episode. And oh, yeah. it, it's not great, but I'm a big fan of Critters, and I recently found out there was a reboot of Critters like five years ago, so we could totally cover Critters sometime. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess those are the two things that I can suggest. The Jungle Book and Critters, uh, two very similar movies. You can find them on a two pack in a dollar bin at Walmart probably. But yeah, that's, that's all I have for that. Yeah, I'd say that's that on that. You lord these movies. What? Oh yeah. I was like, what? what? That's that on that. Yeah. And then you just stopped. I was like, what? What? Yeah. No, I was saying like, that's, I was saying that's that about that. Like I was, that was. Oh, I, I see. Yeah, so, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no. All right, sorry, I thought you trailed off. No, I mean, like, that's a reasonable fear. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't blame you. We are, we've mentioned it before, we are old men in young men's bodies. I I forget, I, yeah. Nope. If if that didn't just prove it, (laughs) my inability to form a coherent thought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, I I swear, my grandfather has had that exact sentence before. Um, Oh, God. Um, We've lived too long. I guess I'll go through the socials to save us from more embarrassment if I can even remember them. Well, uh, there will always be more embarrassment. You may as well just make it concise. Okay, it'll be a new segment of the show. I'll just call it. Um, So, yeah. That's just called the show. Yeah, the whole show (laughs) is that. Yeah, if it's not Tangent tangent Town, it's Embarrassmentville. Couldn't think of an E. Oh, fuck. Add that to Embarrassmentville. Uh, but anyways, um, so go ahead, like, subscribe, follow, whatever the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're on things like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbay, Podomatic, uh, iHeartRadio, and more, but our host is Anchor.fm. They make it very easy to, uh, produce the podcast and put it out in a reasonable amount of time, and I'm very thankful for that, always. Um, go ahead and, uh... Email us at theyremaded at gmail.com with any suggestions you might have for future episodes, feedback on the podcast, what do you like, what do you don't like, all yours. And uh, go ahead and follow us uh, at theyremaded, wait, at theyremaded at Instagram and <laughs> at itremade on Twitter. See, I'm already fucking up. Uh, for updates on the podcast, future episodes, possible future episodes, uh, when episodes go live, Full circle diagrams and uh, posters that we put out for movies and things that we've recommended or that we've recently been watching and enjoying. Uh, Or not enjoying. It goes both ways. 
Uh, and oh, yeah. that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Enjoying or not enjoying. Once again, just just going right into the more dithering old man thing. We will either love it obsessively or we will hate it without mercy. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally just be like, eh, I don't get it. <laughs> Which is really me with anything modern. Like, not, I'll rephrase it. Anything like specifically here like that have been specifically enjoyed by like gen z which is like makes sense because god gen z is into some rabbit shit i don't get any of this sexting and texting and flash mobbing i I, feel, I swear to god hannah i think is is more gen z than me because she'll bring up like stuff off of tiktok or like she'll reference something from tiktok without explanation and i think she's going insane or having a stroke and i'm like <laughs> what the fuck is happening and it's like oh it was a tiktok thing it's like I just want to put my hands on either side of her beautiful face and go, I am not like you. You need to give me context or I'm going to have an aneurysm. Oh, have you been seeing uh, the new trend of just vandalizing your school and stealing shit? I mean, to be fair, that's always been a trend. No, now it's 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 literally like people are getting arrested because literally just every like the sink and toilets and shit will just be missing from bathrooms. Like it, it even you know, happened in my hometown. It, it's it's a TikTok trend. They're called like devious licks or something. I, I was like, I, why yeah. are we? Why? You know, as someone who has had not an insignificant amount of very hard times in school, I won't discourage it. This has been another podcast from your, <laughs> from, your, from your local old men. Please do not take anything that I have said with any kind of seriousness. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> As always, I am your host, Stuart. And I've been your host, Jacob. Have a good evening.
I want the job done tonight. Are we gonna do it? Any way you like, poison them, drown them, bash them in the head. You got any chloroform? Not a drop. And no ether. Either. Either.